Welcome to the Cell Culture Dish podcast. Mustang Bio's gene therapy has tremendous potential to cure X-Skid, or more commonly known as Bubble Boy disease, based on study results from St. Jude. I'm Brandy Sargent, editor of the Cell Culture Dish. Joining me today is Dr. Manny Lichman, president and CEO of Mustang Bio, and Dr. Knut Niss, chief technology officer, Mustang Bio. I've been reading about your exciting study results in treating X-Skid, or bubble boy disease. Manny, could you please explain the disease for our listeners, including the current standard of care? And could you tell us why gene therapy is a good fit for this disease? So X-Skid is um, an X-linked rare genetic disease, and it involves a mutation in a gene that's responsible for normal immune system generation at birth. It cripples both the, the, the humoral and, and cellular aspects of, immune, of, of the immune system and as a result leads to severe infections, recurrent infections, opportunistic infections, and death by age one if untreated. And the standard of care is immune reconstitution by allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplant. Now, gene therapy is a great therapy for this disease because the uh, survival of patients and the quality of life of the patients is very heterogeneous. It depends partially on the donor type, and the best donor type for hematopoietic stem cell transplant is the matched sibling donor, but only about 15% of patients have a matched sibling donor. And so gene therapy can prevent the early death that's seen across all donor types, improve quality of life, and it is hoped that will also improve survival. There have been other attempts at treating this disease with gene therapy. Can you, could you explain how this therapy is different from previous attempts? Yeah, there have been, and uh, this goes way in the past, uh, at the earlier days of gene therapy. The main difference, and this is actually a very significant difference, is that in the past, what has been used as a vehicle for the gene therapy was a gamma retrovirus. Uh, today, we're using a lentiviral construct to, to incorporate the gene into the genome of the cells, uh, which has a few safety features that the gamma retrovirus just didn't provide. So there's a famous example back uh, in the early 2000s where the patient treated with XGIT with a gene therapy that was, so to speak, quote-unquote, cured of the exit, but ultimately resulted in the development of leukemia. When it was looked into why that happened, it was basically traced back to the fact that a gamma retrovirus was used. Uh, today, gene therapy uh, built a lot of safety features into the constructs. Um, many of which are incorporated into the vector we use. So the, the main difference um, for, the, uh, for the therapy now versus back then is the use of a lentivirus instead of a gamma retrovirus. The recent study with St. Jude showed very positive results. Manny, could you describe the study and the results? The very positive results were published in, in the New England Journal of Medicine by St. Jude and its collaborators in April of this year. And the study was a single-arm study in newborn patients who um, were diagnosed with the disease XGID. And the results were very striking. All patients had multi-lineage immune reconstitution. In all patients who had experienced infections prior to gene therapy, these infections cleared completely. The levels of IgM that are produced by the B cells normalized in seven patients, and four of these patients were able to discontinue the intravenous immunoglobulin 
which is the pooled antibodies that these patients receive to prevent infections. And three patients had a response to normal childhood vaccinations. The safety profile was excellent. Uh, there was no evidence of leukemia. No transfusions were required following the conditioning regimen, which consisted of low dose of a uh, chemotherapeutic agent known as busulfan. And very importantly, in terms of predicting future, future leukemia, vector insertion site analysis in all seven cases analyzed showed polyclonal patterns without clonal, clonal dominance. And this really bodes well for the long-term safety of this therapy. There was one patient, patient number one, who did not recover his immune system completely by 12 months. This patient received a boost, which is basically a second gene therapy without the busulfan, and had a very rapid rise in T cells and um, a rapid clearance of his infection. That's really exciting. I and mean, those are really are really interesting results and, and very positive results. And I would encourage anyone to go and read the journal publication in more detail. And we'll provide a link to that in our um, show notes so that anyone who would like to read that more w- would have ac- access to link from our, our podcast. To further discuss that, I was wondering if you could tell me about the two populations receiving the gene therapy currently and then other patients who may benefit from this as well. So the therapy currently is given to newborn patients as described in the New England Journal of Medicine paper. And the incidence of this is very low, one in 225,000 live births globally, which which results in about uh, 20 patients per year in the U.S. Um, However, there is a much larger population of patients. We estimate that to be in the neighborhood of 400 who have received hematopoietic stem cell transplant and um, who are potentially eligible for gene therapy either now or in the future. And patients who are eligible now are patients who have deteriorating tooth cell function with infections. And there is a trial open at the National Institutes of Health under the direction of Dr. Harry Malik, one of the pioneers in gene therapy. It's a single center trial. And that trial um, had treated five patients who were published in Science Translational Medicine in 2016 with very striking safety efficacy results in line with the results published in the New England Journal. And Dr. Malik continues to accrue patients to this trial and in fact has a waiting list for patients. Manny, could you explain what are the next steps for this therapy? The next steps are to complete the technology transfer of the cell processing from St. Jude to our facility in Worcester, Massachusetts, on the University of Massachusetts Medical School campus. We have a state-of-the-art cell processing center there that's uh, run by Dr. Niss, and um, to transfer the IND from St. Jude to Mustang Bio, so that Mustang Bio can continue the trial, uh, enroll patients whose cells have been processed in Worcester, and then file for approval. At the same time, we need to uh, look into expanding the sites both um, for the St. Jude trial, which is now a three-center trial with the University of California, San Francisco, and Seattle Children's, as well as expand the NIH trial from a single-center site to a multi-center trial, and then, of course, assume the IND from the IND from the NIH trial as well and follow basically carbon copy strategy with the uh, previously treated patients. If you'll allow me to, I'd like to just get a a little bit off track. In our publication, we focus on the discovery and biomanufacturing of biologics, including gene therapies. Knut, I wanted to ask a couple questions about your manufacturing strategy. 
particularly why did you select a lentiviral approach? Yeah, so as much as I would like to take credit for the decision on the lentivirus, it was actually St. Jude when they started the journey for the therapy that made the choice. And as I alluded earlier, it was recognized in the field of gene therapy that the gamma retrovirus might not be the best choice for a, a stem cell approach like this one. And ma mainly what it comes down to is um, we understand the integration of the lentivirus into the genome uh, at a much higher level than the, the gamma retrovirus. The gamma retrovirus basically integrates in a true random fashion, while the lentivirus is a more defined integration pattern. And obviously, for, for a therapy like this, you want stable integration into the genome to have the, ex, the gene expressed for long, long term, looking for durable uh, outcomes. In, in these. So, so um, for, for all these reasons, safety and durability, lentivirus uh, was a good choice. Knut, what were the biggest successes that you found in manufacturing, and what are your plans for scaling up in the future? Yeah, so I, I go with the second part first, the scale up. Um, XGID is a very rare disease. We know that the patient population on the newborn side is very, very small, and the uh, previously treated uh, that many alluded to is um, a little bit bigger, but ultimately, um, I, being an autologous therapy scale up can be a problem. In this case, we don't anticipate to see any problem for various reasons. One, the, the, the processing is a relatively simple process. Uh, we isolate CD34 cells from the patients, uh, added them with the lentivirus, and then, then uh, prepare them for infusion. That creates a very simple process, a uh, very short process, which basically speaks to the capacity can be built up very quickly. So we, we don't anticipate for this particular therapy a scale-up issue. Um, we constantly, I should say, we constantly scout new technologies and are, are looking for the next technology breakthrough that will, will enable us not just to make the process more robust and safe, but also, for example, to be more cost-effective. Um, for the first part of your question, you know, again, I, I would put that more broadly in the uh, field of cell and gene therapy. I think the biggest uh, successes we've seen in the last few years is that cell and gene therapy products are now not the ultra-rare niche products anymore. In other words, we see now technology specifically developed to the needs of cell and gene therapy for cell isolation, for cell uh, wash, even at cell wash. So there's a lot of technology out there that is now improving the processing, uh, all of which are basically part of our process. Thank you for answering those questions. I'm wondering, what is next for Mustang? Manny, are there other diseases that you're targeting? So we're certainly looking at other opportunities, other in-licensing opportunities from the academic world in terms of late preclinical or early clinical rare diseases that would take advantage of our cell processing facility in the sense that uh, there would be ex vivo lentiviral uh, transduction of genes into adipotic stem cells at our facility um, that would be modeled after the XKID program. But I think for the near term, we have a very rich portfolio of uh, CAR-Ts, chimeric antigen receptor modified T-cells for oncology. Uh, in particular, we have uh, three for hematologic malignancies and three for solid tumors, and a lot of work is going into filing uh, two INDs this year 
for two of those programs, one for the CD123 program for acute myelogenous leukemia and related diseases. Uh, and the program that we're most excited about is our CS1 program, which is a multiple myeloma target. And uh, we expect to file our IND at the end of the year for that indication and to put that into clinic in a multi-center trial. In the meantime, uh, our City of Hope collaborator has already started a single-center trial with the same um, program, CS1 CAR-T. That really sounds exciting. Um, and I'm excited to see so much work in this area. And just to go back to the point around um, more and more gene therapies being developed, it's not such a niche area anymore. And then to hear you talking about your plans in CAR-T, it's a very exciting time for this industry. And it's, an, it's exciting for me to be covering that topic. And I'm really thankful for your time today, because I think this is a really important therapeutic and will bring a lot of comfort to a lot of families who are facing this. I was wondering, just to close, is there anything else that you would like to add for our listeners before we say to go- goodbye to you today? Yeah, sure. So we're very happy that we've completed our capital raise and that we now have uh, at least two years of cash to execute on all our programs. Uh, we're very grateful to our collaborators, uh, City of Hope, Fred Hutch Cancer Research Center, Nationwide um, Children's Hospital, and especially St. Jude for all the great programs that they've uh, entrusted Mustang Bio with, and uh, we hope to be able to execute on all of these uh, over the next two years. Great. Thank you so much again. We, I really appreciate this, and this was a really interesting discussion. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Cell Culture Dish podcast. To learn more about this and other stem cell and biomanufacturing related topics, please visit us at www.cellculturedish.com or for downstream biomanufacturing topics, www.downstreamcolumn.com.